Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The way these tests work, you can get a false positive. There's nowhere in the Constitution that says there's an exception for vaccine mandates. A majority of the Senate is opposed to Build Back Better. Six trillion dollars worth of stimulus didn't equal six trillion dollars worth of growth in GDP. So where did the money go? Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is 2022. Happy New Year. News and Views back on the air. Tom Lamprecht, Benny Harden, Clark Willis. And a brand new set if you're watching on Facebook or Rumble or Twitter. or And that looks strange. <laughs> Stone cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, or if you're on Cable 7, uh, we've got a new set we're sitting at. And, uh, yeah, it's an improvement. It looks like we're outside, right? It looks like we're out in the park somewhere. Um, it's going to be a climbing wall behind us pretty yeah, soon. Yeah. So, if, so if you got a climbing wall uh, gym out there and want to sponsor our show, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so good uh, good holiday for you? Oh, yeah, it was, it was nice. Nice and warm t- yeah to me a little too warm no no it was very nice (laughs) it's a little too cold today for me yeah christmas was nice last week was just a little too warm for me in the winter time no no it was perfect it was perfect i got more golf in in uh, the month of uh, december than uh, i usually get in june yeah i bet the golf courses had a little surge around oh yeah last week they certainly did uh lots to talk about this hour interesting and bizarre and sad story all rolled into one a north carolina trooper was hit and killed by his brother a fellow trooper during a traffic stop last night trooper john horton was conducting a traffic stop in rutherford county just before nine o'clock last night when his brother trooper james horton was responding to assist james lost control of his vehicle collided with his brother's patrol vehicle Trooper John and the driver detained during a traffic stop were struck while standing along the side of the road. Trooper John, a 15-year veteran, was transported to a Spartanburg hospital where he died of his injuries. The detained driver, who was yet to be identified, was pronounced dead at the scene. Trooper James was taken to a local hospital for minor injuries and has since been released. Our hearts are broken with the loss of our friend and brother Trooper Trooper John Horton, Colonel Freddie Johnson Jr. said in a press release, for all involved in this tragic event, the coming days will undoubtedly be difficult, but we're committed to stand alongside with them with our thoughts and prayers and unwavering support. Uh, Wow. Yeah, that's just bizarre. Tragic. Bizarre and tragic, it is. And um, And I I didn't see was any weather um, down that way. I know, of course, we had a lot of rain. And uh, yeah, I would I would think it's very possible. It was nine o'clock last night that it could have been an icy road condition. I I would think, but this this it actually made national news. This was out of Fox, and uh, no uh, no details on the weather. But not sure uh, where it was in Rutherford County, but it's Rutherford County southeast of Asheville, kind of due west of Shelby. So um, a little little south and west of mm, uh, Winston Salem. mm -hmm uh so uh, say a prayer for the horton family i boy i just it's it's hard to uh hard to be going through that we time. got we have some state troopers that listen to our show and uh we'll just say a few words for their family and and their brothers uh 
out on the force and uh, say a prayer yeah say a prayer for not only that family but boy all of our straight troopers who are constantly putting their lives on the line and uh, you know you, you think it's a routine traffic stop and uh for the poor family members that uh, dad's not coming home I uh, want to talk a lot about elections, and uh, we're actually going to have Hans von Spakowski from the Heritage Foundation on with us in a little bit to talk about this on a federal level. But the election map controversy has started today at a superior court up in Wake County. Uh, that court will need to make a decision. Uh, that court, by the way, is made up of two Republicans and one Democrat. Uh, the Supreme Court of North Carolina said, well, come to a conclusion real quick because we want to get to this by next week. And um, they have they've said we're going to jump over the appeals court. We talked about that before mm-hmm. the holidays, mm-hmm. how this was sort of unprecedented that the Supreme Court is not letting it go through the normal uh, flow that goes through the different courts on appeal. The Supreme Court said, no, we're going to take it right away. Now, one of the interesting stories, which uh, kudos to the Carolina Journal, the uh, John Locke Foundation and the Carolina Journal have been really the lead on the story that was dealing with the fact that the Supreme Court, the the liberal Supreme Court, North Carolina Supreme Court, were trying to force Justice Phil Berger and Tamara Beringer, uh, Beringer off of this NAACP versus Moore case, which is basically the NAACP going and saying, wait a minute, these election maps that the North Carolina legislature has drawn and passed. And by the way, again, I'll say it again, the most transparent um it's historical. Yeah. Historical amount in, of transparency. In the, history, in the history of North Carolina, the most transparent process mm-hmm. of, of having these maps. I mean, they were online constantly. They had numerous opportunities for people to go and uh, speak their mind and look at the maps. And uh, But when they knew this was headed to the Supreme Court, the NAACP said, wait a minute, these two Republicans have a conflict of interest. Now, they failed to mention the fact that Democrat Justice Anita Earls, uh, who was not being targeted to be removed from this case, um, she worked as an attorney for the NAACP, and she's sitting on the, on the court that would hear the case that they're, they're the, the petitioner of this case. So it's rather bizarre that they would want the two Republicans off, but they didn't have any problem with uh, 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 Justice Anita Earls staying on the case. Anyway, make a long story short, they have backed off of that. They have said, okay, and, and there's a lot of pressure. And again, kudos to the John Locke Foundation, the Carolina Journal. They took the lead on this. They were constantly pounding the story. And uh, they did a great job, and the Supreme Court have basically backed off and said, okay, um, the liberals in the Supreme Court, which is the majority of the Supreme Court, they said, okay, we're not going to pursue that. The 200 years of which we've been following uh, that precedent all this time, we're going to let that stand. Nonetheless, uh, it is at the Superior Court, and uh, boy, the liberals are just coming out of the woodwork uh, there was a story about uh, which we were just reading just before we went on air. This just came out of the Carolina Journal. A uh, liberal UNC Chapel Hill professor testified today that the GOP crafted election maps represent a conservative white backlash against rising black political power. Those are the words of Professor James Lelotus, uh, 
uh, he was there on behalf of the Democratic Party. Uh, he had really said some bizarre things. Um, race and partisan politics in North Carolina have always been tightly intertwined, Lolota said. For all intents and purposes, they're ir- ir- inseparable. How is it possible to unsee the thing so central to the politics of the state? Um, in court, Lelotus repeated the claim he made in his deposition. He was asked, does there have to be a Democratic majority in the General Assembly for minority voting strength not to be diluted? I think that's more or less true, Lelotus responded. Uh, th- they are just really pulling out all the stops and really looking to just paint the North Carolina Republican-led legislature as as racist. Well, you know, to the re- Republicans and their um, testimony to court today, you know, they basically asked a question, which is to me an obvious question: Why is Doctor Lee Loudis? testimony considered to be you know expert testimony on anything when he's so partisan in everything he speaks of you know they they went on to say the republican said in preparing his report dr loudest did not speak to any current or former member of the general assembly nor did he review or listen to any hearing of the senate or house redistricting commission so he's making all these accusations about the maps drawn by republicans but he didn't listen to any of the hearings you know, it's interesting, too, is this guy, isn't he a history professor? He's a history pr- professor at Chapel Hill, which, you know, you know, they love revisionary history up well, in Chapel Hill. He, so he's, and, and he, he cites, he goes back 150 years in his testimony. Well, and, and listen, I don't want to be accused of doing the same, saying the same thing that they're saying. But if you look at these two parties, the Democrat Party and the Republican Party, over the last 150 years, which of those two parties has been highly racist and partisan against blacks. Yep, It hasn't been the Republican Party. It's been the Democrat Party. And yet this, as you said, revisionist history, they're just going to do and say what they think is going to help help them at the moment. Yeah, and and they're basically saying to Republicans, hey (laughs) – Hey, you didn't you didn't consider race in your drawing your maps? Like, well, guess what? We're not the we're not the party that always looks at race like the Democrat Party. But the you know this is the, the liberals want it both ways. I mean, on one week they'll say, well, you can't consider race when you draw these maps, and then two weeks later they say, well, why aren't you considering race as you draw these maps? It's unbelievable. The uh, uh, Dallas Woodhouse and Mitch Koki. Uh, you know, they, they wrote two separate articles. I'm sort of combining these two. But um, one of the individuals that the Democrats are bringing forth during this hearing is a guy named Jiwai Chen, professor of political science at the University of Michigan. And by the way, if if you go read the papers they filed, this guy Chen has basically, he gets paid $500 an hour, and he's a, a four-hire liberal he'll say anything the liberals want him to say you what he's doing for the democrats in this hearing he has done dozens and dozens of times over the last five years for every liberal organization that you could possibly imagine so i mean he's just a he's just a four higher liberal but um he he's come up he's testified that north carolina's new congressional map would likely produce 10 gop seats out of 14 resulting in a partisan outlier advantaging republicans 
While Republicans took no account of prior election results when drawing and debating North Carolina's new congressional maps, Chin judged his uh, simulations against several recent North Carolina elections. Perhaps the most relevant was the 2020 presidential election race. North Carolinians cast 5,500,000 some odd ballots in the contest. Some 99.6% of the people who voted in at all in that election voted for president. In comparison, 5,500,000 and some thousand people, 99.2% overall, cast ballots for governor, while 5.47 million voted in the hotly contested U.S. Senate race. While Republican Donald Trump won the state's presidential electoral votes for a second time in 2020, the result was close. Trump secured 49.9%, Biden 48.6%. Few would dispute that the result offers evidence of a closely divided state. One of Chen's charts on the next-to-last page of his court submission shows the impact of North Carolina U.S. House delegation if voters' congressional choices mirrored their presidential picks. In more than 73% of Chen's simulations, the new map would likely produce a 9-5 Republican majority. And 9% of the simulations, the GOP advantage would grow to uh, a 10-4. Again, there's 14 uh, congressional districts now. Some 16% of the simulations would give Republicans an 8-6 edge. Here's the kicker. Just 1.3 of the simulations produce a 7-7 map. (laughs) So, uh, again, this is their expert. He's produced 1,000 simulation maps. Just 1.3 of the maps produced an even tie, a 7-7 tie. So even Shen is saying, look, now now he's, he's trying to put the best face on it for the democrats who are paying him 500 dollars an hour but he's coming out and and basically from his own uh his own simulated maps 1.3 percent of those maps out of a thousand come up with a tie so the the idea that the democrats the naacp and the democrats are taking the republicans to court because they're saying these are partisan maps their expert witness is basically testifying, no, they're not. <laughs> I, I hope the Republicans' counsel, when he cross-examines, uh, I guess they would call it a cross-examination or whatever, uh, I, that would be the only question I would ask. So repeat that again, Dr. Chin. Yeah. In 1.3% of the time, okay, no further questions. Because yeah. <laughs> you know he glossed right over that, probably. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back. We're going to be joined by Hans von Spakowski. We'll talk about election... Well, I'll call it election fraud at the federal level. Stay with us. I'll tell you why when we get back. Eastern Carolina's place to talk about coronavirus. You fund the police. Everything. Give me liberty or give me COVID-19. Right now, more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is news and views for 2022. Hans von Spakowski is the manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative and senior legal fellow of the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies, which is a part of the Heritage Foundation. Hans has been very kind to come on and talk to us about numerous issues, but especially focusing on the uh, situation with election law. You know, we thought H.R. 1, the For the People Act, or H.R. 4, the John Lewis Act, had met their death last year, but uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has vowed he will use the January 6th event from last year to push through something akin to H.R. 1. The irony is 
This is a desperation act by Schumer and the Democrats, and it's nothing more than an insurrection against federalism. So they're using what they call as the insurrection from January 6th last year, and uh, it's it's an insurrection against uh, federalism. Hans is on the phone with us. Hans, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you with us. Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you. Thanks for having me back. So, Hans, what does Chuck Schumer want? Is this identical to H.R. 1, uh, 2022 version? Are there some new twists and turns in it? No, it's pretty much they're bringing up the same bills, and uh, they're desperate to get them passed. And to do that, they are doing everything they can to pressure Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema, to get rid of the filibuster so they can pass these bills through. And these are... Look, H.R. 1 uh, is a really dangerous bill. It's it's a reckless bill. Um, it would destroy federalism by having the national government take over elections. Uh, and it would put in all kinds of bad mandates that, in essence, would uh, create dishonest elections in the future. We, we would not be able to have confidence in the security and integrity of the election process. Is interesting, and perhaps this came from from your pen, but the Heritage Foundation put out a statement that one of the most offensive provisions of this will of this bill would be the transfer of the right to draw congressional districts from the state legislatures to independent commissions, whose members are totally totally unaccountable to the voters. Uh, now, uh, I mean, what's rather ironic is we, we spent the first segment of our program today talking about the fact that we're in the midst of a court battle, which is now in Superior Court. It'll go to the North Carolina Supreme Court uh, probably next week uh, over election maps. But at least it's a battle within the state of North Carolina. But what the Heritage Foundation is saying, if this goes through, uh, that will <laughs> we won't have any more state court battles because some unelected uh, bureaucrat will be deciding the districts. That's right. They, they force states to set up what they call independent redistricting commissions. But basically, you know, these folks would be appointed to those commissions, uh, which means they're not accountable to voters for what they do. And there's all kinds of restrictions and requirements in this big bill, including, by the way, if you can believe it, a racial and gender quota requirement for the members of that commission. <laughs> well, no, I can believe it. Unfortunately, I, I can believe it. So, uh, I mean, uh, you you study this a lot. We saw Kristen Cinema and Kristen Cinema and uh, Joe Manchin. They both held held their ground on the build back better, and both of them were pretty dogmatic that they could not un you know they were not going to vote to undo the filibuster. As you look at what's before them now with this bill, is there any reason to think they will change their mind on the filibuster this time around? I don't think so, but but the pressure being brought on, on them by uh, Chuck Schumer, the Democratic Party, and the political left is enormous. Um, whether they will stand up to that, you know, hopefully they will, but 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 they might not because it's not only publicly, but it's also uh, tremendously behind the scenes. Um, apparently. 
threats have been made against them from the standpoint of uh, Democrats trying to defeat them in their next elections. I mean, it's just one thing after another like that. So I don't know. And folks need to understand they're talking about getting rid of the filibuster to get these laws passed. But this is just the camel's nose under the tent. They want to then pass all these other really bad bills like the Green New Deal, et cetera, that they haven't been able to get through. Right. You know, the other bizarre thing, if this is if this is a repeat of H.R. 1, which you have said it was, how can you propose a piece of legislation that states within that legislation that the citizens, the states, will be strictly limited to any legal recourse in terms of their objections to the constitutionality of the legislation? I mean, it, it seems to go far beyond the parameters of the legislative process and if Democrats really thought that this H.R. 1 was going to pass constitutional muster, why would they even include in the bill that, okay, if you want to file suit against this bill, if you think it's unconstitutional, one, all the states have to come together with one attorney and you got to file it in the District of Columbia. I mean, how can you, how can you add that to your bill? I mean, it's bizarre. I think it's a sign of their arrogance, and that's one of the reasons, as you know, the left has been pushing for court packing. They want to pack the Supreme yeah. Court because they're hoping that uh, if they could do that, then if this bill was passed, if it was signed into law, if lawsuits were filed, ultimately a court would say, oh, it's perfectly okay, uh, it's not unconstitutional. Uh, hey, Hans, this is Benny. Um, you know, for for people that follow this stuff, um, obviously we don't follow it at the level that you do, but we 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 certainly follow it more than the average citizen. Um, it's obvious to us that it's a a concentrated effort of the progressive uh, Democrat Party to you know federalize everything and and get everything to a, a more centralized government away from elected officials. You know this last election, presidential election, where you had you know at best some. Um, some suspicious things going on from state to state. I think it was more than that. But but I actually have friends from, from now and then that say, well, you know, hey, look, look at what happened in the last presidential election. Maybe we just need federal control of the state's elections. And, and you know, I try to, you know, kind of go through the process and explain to them that, hey, we, you know, we don't have a Lord of the Flies type government where mob rules whenever we we don't agree with something. What What is – give me a good – elevator speech if you will to the average person that you know doesn't follow this stuff like we do well what you should tell them is for every good rule that a federal government could put in it could put in a bad rule and the the advantage of the states doing this themselves is yeah you've got bad states like california which is a real mess but then you've got other states that have really improved things and run their elections pretty well these days, like Texas and Florida, which passed good election reform bills. Uh, whereas with a federal bill, you're going to have bad policy everywhere. And H.R. 1 is the prime example of that. I mean, the just one quick example, which I think most people know about, is, look, if you're a state that has been smart and has successfully put in a voter ID requirement for voting, like Georgia has, Texas has, uh, Florida has, that would be wiped out by this federal bill. No state 
no state would be allowed to have a voter ID requirement for voting, which is just crazy. Yeah. Uh, but that's the way this bill would work. How much of this is um, a a and maybe this is the silver lining? How much of this is a total desperation on behalf of Chucky Schumer and the Democrats? You know, are, are they looking ahead to November and? Uh, if you were a fly on the law, wall, would you hear them saying, boy, we're going to get shellacked if we don't do something crazy? Uh, have you pondered that question? Is is that a possibility? Yes, I, I think there's two things going on here. One, they really want these changes because they think it will help them control election outcomes for the foreseeable future, particularly um, this coming year. Uh, but... Also, they have to do this because the big, well-funded, progressive groups, the ones who get their money from people like George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg, are adamant that they make these uh, changes in, in voting and election rules, and they don't want to upset the people who fund them in their political campaign. So if this were to pass, and right now it looks like that's a pretty big if. I noticed the town hall had a, uh interesting article just basically saying they, they thought it was a long shot that Kirsten Sinema and, and Joe Manchin would uh, cave to, and I hope they're right, would cave to uh, Chuck Schumer. But if, if this were to pass, I, I would think that immediately you would see lawsuits, and I would I, my hunch would be that the Supreme Court would have to take it up pretty quick because of the immediacy of how it would affect the next election. Uh, if this were to get, if this were to pass and were to get to the Supreme court, give us your thoughts on that. I think there are definitely parts of the bill that would get tossed out as unconstitutional. There are other parts that might be found to be constitutional, even though they're bad and dangerous policies, because unfortunately, I mean, to quote what Justice Scalia once said, uh, you know, there are a lot of laws that are constitutional that are passed by Congress, even though they're really stupid. <laughs> and and that's, that, that, remember, this is a very big bill. It's over 800 pages. There's a lot of provisions in it. Some of them are unconstitutional. Others probably aren't. So bits and pieces of it would definitely remain even if the supreme court ruled the right way let me ask you this when get to the to the filibuster question because a lot of people i think are just again that aren't political junkies the filibuster are senate rules but there's nothing in the constitution that that mandates that you've got to have a 60 vote majority to pass something in the senate so no it it, it's just it's just a senate rule so, but, but yet to change the rules of the Senate, what what is required for that to happen? I mean, Chuck Schumer can't just change the rules on his own, can he? Well, they're not supposed to. It's normally supposed to take a two-thirds vote of the Senate to change the rules. But remember, Harry Reid changed the rules without complying with that Senate rule through a parliamentary maneuver that uh, Republicans didn't have enough votes to stop. So Schumer could try to basically ignore the Senate rules and force through a change if he was willing to do that and to risk the retribution that Republicans would probably try to wreak on him for doing that. 
Well, never, never underestimate the uh, conniving of a good liberal. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like the elections uh, last time in Virginia, another governor races might have. uh, They they might. This might be their hail mary. This might be the Democrats' hail mary to (laughs) try to get as much as they can before the next uh, midterm. Yeah, that's what we're hoping. Yeah. Hans, thanks for your insights, and uh, let's stay in touch on this. Uh, and boy, uh, say a prayer that uh, Chuck Schumer is not successful. It, it, it would be devastating if this were to go through. It would, it would be devastating. Yep. So It would. Happy New Year to you, Hans. Thanks for checking in with us. Pre- do appreciate it. Sure thing. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, we, we can – boy, I'm, I'm dead serious. Hope and pray that uh, – chuck schumer is foiled and i i think i think there's a good possibility that you're right i think there's a good possibility that uh, this is this is a hail mary they know that they're in desperate trouble um i mean ideally they would like this to happen on a permanent basis but i mean why not chuck why not have chuck schumer just pass legislation that says if you're a republican you're not allowed to be elected (laughs) I, i mean that's basically the kind of goofy legislation this this amounts to well well to me it's obvious the the reason they're doing this is because you know we as as voters we have much more of a choice and opportunity to hold our state legislators accountable i mean they really those districts are really bingo aren't in play most time but at the federal level the senate and the house and the house districts there are very few house districts that are ever in play right so if they pass something what are you going to do you can't say well vote me out well they can't be voted out well (laughs) that's the problem as a as a simple illustration you can make a couple of phone calls and get keith kidwell on the phone with you yeah um and now and look you know i i would say uh, certain members of congress are accept- accessible and i would say the members of congress here in eastern north carolina are accessible but uh a lot of, you can't get a hold of them and uh, there's there's a huge separation from the voter and from the members of congress and uh if you want to if you want to have your voice heard you're right. Keep it at a local level. Yeah, you, the real party leaders, you can reach them only if you've got enough zeros on your check. There you go. <laughs> Stay with us. More news and views coming up. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast. Increasing clouds tonight, a low around 34. Tomorrow, a chance of a morning shower. Otherwise, it does get a little warmer. A high around 59 tomorrow. Chance of precip 20%. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy with a low of around 38. So maybe the cold, cold weather is... uh, behind us weather brought to you by the ironwood golf and country club voted best golf course in greenville two years in a row ironwood golf and country club boasts an 18 hole lee trevino design course full service dining and outdoor pool tennis and more for a limited time join ironwood pay zero initiation fees give them a call 252-752-4653 find out what makes ironwood the best of greenville 252-752-4653 So the News and Observer is reporting as North Carolina hits record COVID high cases and hospitalizations due to the Omicron variant. Uh, 
Roy Cooper repeated his calls for people to get vaccinated, including booster shots and to wear masks. As we close in on two years dealing with COVID-19, I know many of you are weary and frustrated, he said. But he said people have to keep doing what gets the virus to the endemic stage. Now, what's interesting about this is that came from Cooper today. The Epic Times is reporting about half of the Omicron cases in a major hospital system in Texas, half of them were fully vaccinated. Hmm. Half of them. So the repeated begging and claims by the governor to go get vaccinated and go get your booster. And, and I'm not I'm not trying to be overly glib and just say, you know, obviously there are people that get this and then they die from it. But there are a lot of people, especially with this Omicron, that are getting it and don't even know they have it. They think they have a cold and they happen to go get tested for something. They say, oh, yeah, you got the antibodies. But half of them, I mean, but the idea that the Coopers come in and say, well, you know, let, let's get our, let's get the handle on this thing, go out and get the booster and go out and get vaccinated. Well, it's a flip of the coin. And this was, this was a study that took place down at Houston Methodist Hospital. And uh, it was actually funded by the federal government. It was from November 2021 through December 18th, late November 2021 to September 18th. 2021. And uh, most of the patients, to, to, uh, I think there was a total of uh, uh, 862 patients, 299 of them received two doses of the Pfizer. The rest received either Moderna or the Johnson & Johnson. And again, it was right, right at 50%. Half of them, uh, uh, of, of the folks that were in the hospital there were vaccinated. The half well, not. here again, uh, President Biden's words, what, um, was it in July or August, you know, saying this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Right. It's just not the case. <laughs> it's just not the case. And um, and that's why people don't – I mean, I don't think the vaccination percentages – I don't think the needles will be moved any further just because people that um, – people have gotten vaccinated, I think, have gotten vaccinated. And the, the rest of the people – I mean, there's too much evidence that shows that, hey, well, the government – was not honest with me about this you know i just don't think it's gonna move the needle anymore uh, a little bit of good news another study out after the new year researchers at nih and health facilities in the cleveland area found evidence that omicron variant is causing less severe illness by analyzing electronic health records compared to patients with covid19 caused by delta variant patients with omicron variant are less likely to go to the emergency room or require hospitalization, researchers wrote. The reason why these numbers are high is because it is highly contagious. Mm-hmm. That's that's the bad part of the story. The good part of the story is, I mean, you have thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people getting this, but the but the symptoms are, are much less than uh, with a Delta variant. Yeah, and, and the fear ta- tactics of the left and the fear tactics of the mainstream media, you know, they've talked about the surge in hospitalizations for for youth well dr fauci was just on um right. late last week or early this week maybe over the weekend and and admitted that well you know a lot of those people were hospitalized for other things but they just happened to test positive for for covid so that that brings up a uh, a, a great article that uh, the daily wire is reporting on it was actually an article out of the new york times 
this morning, the New York Times morning newsletter said that since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, Americans have accepted more harm to children in exchange for less harm to adults. The piece titled No Way to Grow Up, that is, of course, a true statement, yet the admission left many conservatives frustrated for having warned that the damage that the lockdowns were doing to the kids, they've been saying it for two years. Mm-hmm. Now Fauci comes out and says, oh, yeah, we're, yeah, the numbers are wrong. And, of course, Fauci has changed his mind numerous times. And now the New York Times and, and the, guy, the writer of this article, uh, a guy named da- David Leonhardt, uh, he, he has written in the past about the damage done to kids. But overall, the New York Times has is certainly not promoted. You know, they've they've promoted the liberal narrative. But um, bottom line is, so so why are we still listening to these people, like the New York Times, like Fauci and others, who basically were totally cynical and and mocked conservatives that said, "Wait a minute, let's think through the ramifications of what you're proposing." So why should these people and why should these platforms that have gotten it so wrong over the past two years, why should they have a voice at the table any longer? Exactly. And if they were truly repentant, wouldn't they come out and say, you know what, we blew it. Maybe you ought to be listening to those conservatives that saying you're you're moving too fast with these lockdowns and shutdowns. And and there's there's people on these committees at the CDC and, and at every level um, within the government if they do not toe the the line that's being taught by the CDC and and they're they're done they're done they kick them off no. i mean no. they 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 don't want anyone to disagree with them when they've been wrong about almost everything for the last year and a half yep. hey we've got to take another time out stay with us more news and views coming right up Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, back in. And uh, 561-8255, Robert from Jacksonville has been waiting patiently. Hey, Robert, how are you, sir? Happy New Year. Actually, it's from, from Coast City. What's oh, Coast City. There, hey, Robert, happy Robert. New Year. Good to hear from you. <laughs> hey, Benny. How hey, you look, you know, y- y'all were talking about all this stuff. You know, that, that was one thing you said, Benny, as far as, if the doctors don't agree, I mean, that's the reason why they've been pushing this vaccine stuff all, all day long is because if Fauci says it, then they get up there and say, well, we got to go ahead and push it because you don't see no doctors get up there and say anything about like what you said to antibodies in your system when you already have it. Because I had it last this past March and all. I, I had COVID this past March. And before I had to get vaccinated because of because I worked for the uh, for the government, and you know, Mr. Biden got over there and said, "You got to get uh, vaccinated." So let's go, Brandon. I had to go get vaccinated. So when I did that, before I did that, I went to go get tested, and they you know for antibodies, and they said, "Yeah, you still got antibodies." After they get over there and they preach all day long that the antibodies don't last in your system. Well, evidently, the antibodies last longer than what the vaccine does. Well, that's the thing is they, they don't, there's not been enough time to evaluate either the antibodies or the vaccine or the boosters. And yeah. it's, it's a little ridiculous that these people are making these dogmatic statements when, you know, we're, we're two years into it. Which well, I, normally, I, normally I a, a vaccine, they, they'll spend years. 
yeah. studying the vaccine and the and the ramifications, the the good, the bad, and the ugly of vaccines. Not with this. Well, with a lady that cuts my hair, she uh, she said that she had COVID a year ago. Recently got tested for antibodies. Still got them. It's yeah. amazing. Well, you know, it's interesting. But it's like you said, there, there's no studies. There's no long term studies because it ain't no long term yet. Well, another study that, that was out over the holidays was talking about the fact that if uh, even if you're even if they test you for antibodies and you come up with with no antibodies in your system, there was an article and I can't remember now who put it out, but they're saying that if you were to get COVID, the antibodies kick back in. Yeah, the uh, T cell response. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So interesting but stuff. The only thing I'm worried about since I since I had antibodies and I got the vaccine, what has that done to my antibodies then? Well, That's actually, the there's a, interesting you say that because there's another article out just today that talked about uh, if you uh, if you get too many of the boosters, and you know, I've heard people. I actually ran into somebody that said, you know, I get the booster every day if they let me have it. Interestingly, which I, wow. I, I wouldn't, <laughs> but. <laughs> But the uh, but they're actually saying that the booster actually would if, if you've had COVID and you have the antibuster uh, at the, <laughs> the hmm. if you it is now. come on come on Tom uh, yeah I just almost said something I shouldn't have said the, the booster would actually reduce the effectiveness of the your natural antibodies yeah so well, I, but I'm, but again I'm already, there's a whole bunch of us we ain't getting the we ain't getting the booster. Well, I, I I, again, though, I, I'm no expert, and we're it's really we're just into this. I mean, I know it's been two years, but there's there's really not been enough study, there's not been enough evidence, and there's not been enough outcome. I mean, who knows where it's well, going to go? Well, uh, as we said before, fundamentally, that's the decision between you and your physician, right. and no one else. Right. If you want to get that's it, get it. it. Should be. Yeah. If you want to get it, go. I'm I'm not anti getting it. Oh no no. I'm just I'm an, anti mandate. If you want to get the vaccine, get the vaccine. Yep. If that's going to make you feel safe, get the vaccine. Yep. I'm Robert, about, happy New Year, brother. Uh, We've got to uh, cut you off here, but uh, happy New Year. Thanks. Good to hear from you. Um, Joe Biden. His numbers are as bad as they can possibly get. Come on, man. No, Joe, I'm sorry to tell you this, but a CNBC change poll, a record 56% of respondents say they disapprove the work Biden has done as president, making the worst reading of his presidency according to the CNBC change poll. I mean, depends who you go to. But, I mean, these are not conservative organizations that are coming up with these numbers. The president's approval rating is currently 44%, making a consistent decline since September of 2021. Uh, Of the 1,895 respondents, 60% say they disapprove of the president's handling of the economy. 72% of the respondents disapprove of the president's handling of the price of everyday goods. 66% disapprove of his efforts to lighten the load of their wallets. He'd like to lighten the load. He'd (laughs) reach in there and take it out. Uh, the, The inflation increased the highest level almost four decades in 2021. Um, 55% say, no, you, you're doing lousy on the uh, COVID. Jimmy so. Carter says thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.